Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1. All this month, we're going to be talking about the story of Jesus from this first chapter of John. So the story of Jesus is our theme for this month, but it's also the theme for this book of the Bible, the Gospel of John, written by John the Apostle, the son of Zebedee, who was a fisherman. This John was the brother of James, and they, like their father, were fishermen. I thought about it, it would be like God having K.J. and Wayne Holly write a book of the Bible. <laughs> they left their fishing to follow Jesus and catch people for him. Jesus gave these brothers the nickname, the Sons of Thunder. It's a cool nickname, isn't it? Especially when Jesus has given it to you, but it was because of their eruptive and loud temper. Remember, they were the brothers that when people didn't respond in the right way to Jesus, wanted to call down fire from heaven and destroy them all. John was one of the twelve. And in a closer way, he was one of the three apostles within the inner circle of Jesus with James and Peter. He was the one that is described in the gospel as being loved by Jesus, indicating that they had a very special and close relationship. After Jesus had been raised from the dead and ascended back to heaven, John ministered in Jerusalem with Peter. Later on, he pastored the great church at Ephesus. In fact, this is probably where he wrote this gospel from some 50 years after all of the events took place. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John towards the end of the New Testament. He wrote the final book of the New Testament while imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos, the book of Revelation. John's gospel is different from the other three gospels, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are called the synoptic gospels, and that term for them simply indicates that they borrow from each other. Uh, that there's a lot of similarity between those three Gospels, a lot of parallel stories. Probably Matthew and Luke borrowed from Mark when they wrote their Gospels. But about 90% of what John wrote in his Gospel isn't contained in the other three Gospels. He leaves out stuff, subjects that they wrote about while writing about and including things that they did not. John is probably the most basic of books in all of the Bible. By that I mean it contains basic Christianity. It contains the basics of Christianity. The basics about Christ. How many times have you heard it suggested to first-time readers of the Bible, that if you're going to begin to read the Bible, begin 
in the Gospel of John. John is a home for many of the most well-known stories and passages and verses in the Bible. It's also the home to the most well-known and oft-quoted verse in the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes on Him would not perish but have eternal life. John is the gospel. It's a record of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. This book is the story of Jesus. Now John said as much when towards the end of the book he stated his reason for writing it in the first place. In John chapter 20 verse 30 he wrote, Jesus performed many other signs or miracles, miraculous signs, in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. And in the next chapter, the last verse of the book, he wrote, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Going back to chapter 20, verse 31, he said, But these are written. I have included the miracles that I have included so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I've written what I wrote so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, Lord. And by believing, you may have life. You may have eternal life in His name. As he states his purpose for writing John there, it sounds very much like what he wrote in the first three verses of 1 John chapter 1, giving his purpose for writing it. So the Gospel of John is organized around miracles, strategic miracles and signs that pointed to who Jesus was, and John wrote about these so that people would believe on Jesus. The idea of belief is very important in John's writings. He uses the word believe or the equivalent of it 100 times in this gospel. Everything that he's written is so that people will believe on Jesus, place their faith in Jesus so that they will trust on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to save them so that we will trust, count, depend on Jesus to give us eternal life and so that people from that belief will have life, eternal life, not just living forever but living forever with God, living forever with the life of God, eternal life. This is a major part of the story of Jesus. Can you think about stories that you know very well and stories that you love? Lots of well-known, lots of well-loved stories, children's stories. Historic stories. 
During the holidays, we get together with our families and we talk about our favorite family stories, Bible stories. But there are none that are better than the story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious. Sweetest that ever was heard. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do today and this month. To tell you the story of Jesus. But better than that, I'm going to try to let John tell you the story of Jesus from this first chapter of the book that bears his name. From John chapter 1. We're going to focus on three parts of the story of Jesus. The first part of this story of Jesus is the Word. The Word, that would be your first blank today, for those of you that love those blanks. The second part of the story of Jesus will be the witness to the Word. And the third part of the story of Jesus, that's not a blank, by the way. That's future blanks, future week. The third part of the story will be the work of the Word. Today in verses 1 through 5, we're going to look at the Word. The first part of the story of Jesus in John chapter 1. Follow along with me as I begin to read in verse 1, John 1, all the way down through verse 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. The first part of the story of Jesus is the Word. And that's the subject of these first five verses in John chapter 1. To the Jews, the Word was the creative force of God. The Word to the Jews indicated something that was alive and active and powerful. To the Jews, the Word was synonymous with the wisdom of God. And the Word was synonymous with God. And you can see this in the parallel between this first part of John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the first part of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God. Did you hear that? In the beginning God. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Parallel. Synonymous with each other. To the Greeks, the Word was the mind of God. The Word was 
what had brought order to a world that was full of chaos. And that parallels Genesis chapter 1. A world of chaos, darkness, and void, formless. But the Word brought order. To the Greeks, the Word was what created and what sustained and what controlled everything. To the Greeks, the Word of God was what was the explanation for everything. It gave everything its meaning and its reason. To us, when we think about a word, we think about something that reveals, don't we? Something that makes known. The way through which we communicate. This word is the first part of the story of Jesus. It's the subject of these verses. And in this passage, we are taught seven facts about the Word. The first fact we're taught is that the Word is eternal. In the first part of verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. That phrase, in the beginning, means when time began. Now think about that. It means that when time began, the Word already existed. That means that the Word existed before time began. That's mind-boggling. The Word then is eternal. That's the same thing that's being said about God in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. That doesn't mean God got His start at the beginning. But when time got started, God was the one who started it. He is the beginning. He who had no beginning began it all, existed before it all. And just as the Word of God existed before time began... The Word of God will exist when time is over, when time is no more. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of God will never Pass away. The Word is eternal. Fact number two. The Word is heavenly. When I say heavenly, I was looking for a word to describe what's being communicated in the second part of verse 1. By heavenly, I mean it's of heaven. It's not of this world. If I'd thought about it sooner, I might would have used the word holy. The Word is holy. It is set apart from us and from this world and from this fear. The second part of verse 1 says the Word was with God. The Word was then where God was. It's saying that the Word wasn't simply physically located near God, but the Word was like God. That's what the word that's translated with really means. It means that the Word was connected to God, 
both in proximity and in nature. The Word is related, was related to God. The Word was with God before time began. And the Word will be with God when time is no more. So the Word is heavenly. Or maybe you'd want to say the Word is holy. Fact number three, the Word is God. The Word is God. The third part of verse one, he says, and the Word was God. That is, the Word is deity. Deity meaning God. Divine. Divine meaning the same thing. Do you notice how at the end of verse 1, John takes it a step further than he's already taken it in the previous part of the verse? He's saying here that it's not simply that the Word is like God, or it's not simply that the Word is with God, but here he, he makes it very clear the Word is God. And that lets us know that there is a plurality to God. Now I want to be very careful that you did not mishear me. I did not say that there is a plurality of gods. There is only one God. But within the one God, there is more than is at first apparent. There's God, according to John 1.1. And then there is also the Word of God. Two different things. Connected things, as we've already seen. Related things, similar things, but different. The Word is God because the Word is eternal like God. And the Word is God because the Word is eternally like God and has eternally been with God. The Word then is God. Fact number four, the Word is a person. Look at verse two. He was with God in the beginning. That pronoun he indicates to us that the word is not just a concept or an ideal or a philosophy or a thought. The word of God is a person. And this is similar to the way that the wisdom of God is personified in the book of Proverbs. Within the Godhead, what it's saying is that there is persons, plural. And one of the persons within the Godhead has always been the Word of God. The Word of God is a distinct person from God the Father. He's a distinct person from God the Spirit. The Word Himself is a person. Fact number five, the Word is Creator. Look at verse 3. All things were created through Him. Listen to that again. All things were created through Him. Him who is the Word. 
And apart from him, the word, not one thing. Now he's making a, he's repeating himself here, inspired by God to really drive the point home. Not one single solitary thing that is, was created, that has been created apart from the word of God. This takes us back to the Jewish and the Greek notions of the Word that I talked about earlier. Do you remember that in both of them, their idea was that the Word of God had something to do with creation. We can see this in Genesis chapter 1. You may not can quote it, but when I do, you'll recognize it. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 it says, Then God said, God spoke, God uttered words. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And throughout Genesis chapter 1, that phrase continues to be repeated. Then God said, and there was something else. And then God said, and there was something else. And then God said, and there was something else. And then God said, and there were people like us. God spoke everything into existence that exists. And He did it out of nothing. You want to talk about mind-boggling? Think of nothing. Hard to think of nothing. Now, our minds are filled with nothing most of the time, but it's hard to think of nothing in the nothingness that fills our mind. There was nothing. No material. No raw material. All there was was God. And out of nothing, God spoke everything that is. Everything that you can see, and even the things that you can't see that are, into existence. The Word of God was the agent of creation for every single thing. The power of creation was the Word of God. The Word is Creator. Fact number six, the Word is life. The Word is life. In the first part of verse four, it says life was in Him. The Word. Life was in the Word. Life was created by Him. Through the Word, life was created. And we get that. We just saw that. But there's more that's being indicated here. It's not simply that the Word created life. That life is in the Word. But what he's getting at here is that life is also sustained by the Word. Life is preserved by the Word of God. It is maintained by the Word of God. It's kept by the Word of God. Think about it this way. The Word keeps everything that is going and moving and being and living. And we we get this. At least we do in some of the verses of the Bible that that we could quote in Matthew 4.4. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and he said, and you know this verse, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. The Word then is life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the Word of God is living and active. Later on in John chapter 6, we could see that God is the one who has the words of eternal life. And that's the kind of life the Word is. Eternal life. Not just any life, but the life of God. The life of God forever and forever, time without end. Remember that this was the purpose for John in writing the book. He wrote these things about Jesus so that people would believe on Jesus and that through believing on Jesus that they would have life, eternal life. Life is a repeated concept for John in his gospel. Fifty times he uses the word life in his gospel, about two and a half times per chapter. The word is life. In fact, number seven The word is light. The word is light. Look at verses 4 and 5. Life was in him. We've just seen that and talked about it. It was in the word. And that life was the light of men. The light that shines on men. The light that shines in men is this word that is the life. It's what this word is. And the life that's in it is what enables people to see. Verse 5 says that light that comes from the life that is the Word, that light shines in the darkness. And what darkness is it talking about? Well, the darkness of our world. And you can go back to Genesis 1 and you can see that, right? Before God said, let there be light, what was the world like? Dark. And God spoke and there was light. But the darkness isn't just about the darkness that existed at the dawn of creation. The darkness also represents the darkness of our world as the result of sin. And light shines in the darkness of our sinful world. But it also shines in the darkness of our sinful life. It shines in us, that light. Shines in the darkness. Yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now there are two ways to take the word that's translated overcome. One is just like it translates it here in the Holman as overcome. But some of you may have a Bible that translates it and it's not wrong. Neither's wrong or right. May translate it did not comprehend it. And that both of them are right. The light shines It has shone in the world. It continues to shine in the world. A world full of darkness. People of darkness. And the dark people, the people that are filled with darkness, they just don't get it. And it shines into a world that's full of darkness. And it's not simply that the darkness doesn't get it, but the darkness opposes it. There's conflict beginning with the darkest one of all. But the darkness does not and has not and will not overcome the light. Listen, folks. Most of us think and most people teach that life comes from light. 
Light is what creates life, gives energy. But the Bible presents it the other way around. Life doesn't come from light. The light comes from the life. And you can see that here. And you can see it in Genesis 1. Before there was light, there was the life of God, even the Word of God. John uses this word light 21 times in his gospel, an average of one per chapter. The light that shines in the darkness. The light that overcomes the darkness. The light that is good and is right. The light that shines on people. The light that shines in people. This light is the Word of God. And the Word of God reveals God to us. It reveals salvation to us. Life to us. It reveals us. And our sin. And the future. The Word is light. And for those of you that love the outlines and filling them out, you notice we got seven spots, and then we got a star down there at the bottom. And I told you at the first that we have here seven facts about the Word, but there's really eight. But the eighth one is really the summation of all the seven previous ones, and it's so important. This fact about the Word is so important then that it didn't deserve just equal billing with the rest of the facts. So I put a star out beside it. And here's what I want you to write out beside the star. The Word is Jesus. The Word is Jesus. Now, if that isn't clear already, it is in the rest of John chapter 1. So, if the Word is Jesus then all the facts that were true of the Word are true about Jesus, right? That means because Jesus is the Word, Jesus is eternal. Notice how in John's Gospel, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus, like some of the other Gospel writers. He goes farther back than that. He doesn't start with the baptism of Jesus. He goes farther back than that. He doesn't even start like Matthew and Luke with the genealogy of Jesus. One going all the way back to Father Abraham. The other one going all the way back to Father Adam. John goes back farther than even Adam. To before Adam and time and the world ever was. Indicating to us that Jesus, the Word, is eternal. In John 8, 58, Jesus said to those who wanted to kill Him, Before Abraham was, I am. I was around before Abraham. I am the most special name of God. I am the one who was before time began, who is during time, and who will be after time is no more. In Revelation 1.17, Jesus said of himself, I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. In Colossians 1.17, it says about Jesus, he is before all things. Now, folks, you want some application? 
Here's an important application truth during this time of Christmas. The second person of the Trinity may have been born as a human baby some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, but that was not the beginning for the second person of the Trinity. The second person of the Trinity has eternally existed as the Word of God. The person we know as Jesus is way older than Bethlehem. Because Jesus is the Word, we can also know that Jesus is heavenly or holy. He has eternally been with God, eternally like God, eternally connected to and related to God. Jesus came to this world, but He is not of this world. He's set apart. Because Jesus is the Word, we know that Jesus is God. Jesus is deity. Jesus is divine. He did not simply become God. He always has been God. He always will be. The deity of Jesus, the eternal deity of Jesus, is a major emphasis of John in his book. And it's going to be the number one reason that the opponents of Jesus had him crucified. Because he told them that he was God and they would have none of it. And still today, people rebel at the notion of Jesus being God. Jesus is part of the one God. In John twenty thirty one that we looked at earlier, John said, I've written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God, Lord. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature. Colossians 1.15 says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.19 says for God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Jesus. Because Jesus is the Word, we can also know that Jesus is a person. Jesus isn't simply a concept or an ideal, a philosophy or a symbol. He is a real person. The personification of the wisdom of God. He's one of the persons within the Trinity, distinct from the person of God the Father and the person of the Spirit. Because Jesus is the Word of God, Jesus is Creator. Have you ever thought about it that way? Back in Genesis 1, when God said, have you ever thought that was Jesus? Colossians 1.16, for everything was created by Jesus. In heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Jesus was the said part. Of when God said or then God said in Genesis 1. And he still is. Did you know folks that Jesus is still creating life where there is none spiritually speaking through his word. Because Jesus is the word we can know that Jesus is life. Life is in him. He is the sustainer of life. Colossians 1.17 says about Jesus, by Him, by Jesus, all things hold together. Hebrews 1.3 says 
Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the one who keeps everything going, everything living. Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. Jesus is the one who is the word of eternal life. Eternal life is in Jesus. It's through believing in him. It's why John wrote about him. And then finally we can say because Jesus is the word, Jesus is the light. Light comes from his life. He shines on people. He shines in people like you and me, those who believe. He shines in the darkness, the darkness of the world, the darkness of our lives. And as he does so, he reveals God. He reveals salvation. He reveals life. He reveals who we are with all of our sin. He reveals the way to heaven, and the way to heaven is him. Jesus is the light that cannot be overcome. He overcomes. He has overcome the world. Jesus is all that is good and right, and He shines His light on all that He is. In a world that's always been filled with people who want to worship the lights that the light has made, the light is the only one to be worshipped. The story of Jesus begins with the Word. It's the first part of the story. And the Word is Jesus. What I'm saying is that the Word of verses 1 through 5 in John chapter 1 is Jesus. Now I want you to remember why John wrote all of it. And why he wrote what we've read and studied today. So that we would believe. And that in believing... We would have life, eternal life. He wrote what we've studied today so that you, individual, man, woman, boy, girl, so that you would believe and that through believing, so that you would have life like God does. Do you believe? I mean, do you? Do you believe? Do you trust that Jesus is Lord and Savior? That He's lived a perfect life? That He's died on the cross to take the punishment for sinners? That He's risen from the grave to conquer death? Do you believe? Are you counting on this? Him to forgive you of your sins and to make you right with God and to give you eternal life. Do you believe? Maybe I should ask, do you want eternal life? I mean, surely you do. Surely you do. Do you want to live forever? Like God? With God? Do you want to live in heaven where God is? Do you want to live in something that's so 
much exponentially better than what this is that we can't even grasp it. Do you want eternal life? Not just living forever, but life forever. Do you want that? Surely you do. Think about it. You want this. You should want this. If you want it, it can be yours. But you must believe on Jesus. It is offered to you today. Eternal life. All you have to do to receive it is believe on Jesus. Count on Jesus and Him alone to save you. If you believe on Jesus, you have eternal life. How about that, believer? If you believe on Jesus, you have eternal life. Believers today, I have eternal life. You have eternal life because you believe on Jesus. Be encouraged and keep on believing. Belief and eternal life are the reason for the story of Jesus. So don't miss the point of the story.